I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a little bit of ukulele and an imagined forest. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and... This is episode 366, Imagine a Forest, and that's not a really clever title. It is the title of a book, but before we get to that, some of you heard the 50 Before 50 show, some of you did, and maybe I sparked something for one or two of you, a new line of thought, a new approach to time, and proactive living to thinking about who you are and who you want to be and what you want your days and years to look like. I wrote my book review notes for today's show on an index card. I do that all the time. I grab an index card and start a list or make a list or make a note. Days and days ago I did this. And in the slow chaos of these days... I don't know where that card went. I found all kinds of other cards. I thought I knew where the card was. That's always the way it is. I don't know where it went. It feels like things are always lost. My kids are probably going to grow up and say, my mother was always looking for something. And they're probably going to mean that both literally and in the abstract. I do spend a lot of time looking for and refinding things. A few things have been really critical on my list of to find. My birth certificate, which still hasn't turned up. It's here somewhere, but I feel like I have searched and searched and searched. And then my pink Lammy, the fountain pen that I used diligently and pretty much only for drawings for years, several years. I lost it. It was lost for weeks. I was really frustrated and upset by that. And then suddenly there it was. And Syllabus by Linda Berry. I started reading that again from the library a few weeks ago because it's important to me in this year. And I couldn't find my copy. So I checked it out and it's way overdue. And as I've slowly gone through it. I kept thinking, oh, I wish I had my copy because I actually would like to make some notes, fold some pages, do the things I do when I really want to pay attention to something. I've looked everywhere. I kept looking for it. That and a book by Scott McLeod that I know I have. And I couldn't find either of them. And because I couldn't find either of them, it felt like probably a duo, like I had had them out in the same time frame and laid them somewhere. I've looked and looked. I looked in the obvious places. I looked in the unusual places like tucked away in the fabric bins because things do get scattered and assorted because I have so much creative mess. I looked and looked. And then yesterday, yesterday of all days, because these are hard days for me right now. Yesterday in getting out a small blank book, because as the days wind down before my son leaves, I can't let go of trying once again, always just once again. I think this time it will work. This time I'll hit the right note, the right chord. 
trying to prompt and nudge some of the things that matter so much to me and that I wish in hindsight I had known. And getting that little book out, finding one that I thought would be just enough, not too much. I knocked them over at the tower of some of these little odds and ends books. They fell over to reveal a stack of composition books lined up behind them because I'm always trying to maximize space. And on one of those composition books, yes, Linda on the spine in white. Now I had checked composition book spots throughout the house, all the bookshelves, anywhere I could find a composition book. I checked because I was afraid that the Linda Berry book was somehow mixed up with my journals or the blank composition books, which are in various places. I looked, I thought I had looked and there it was, there it was tucked away in a spot that I had forgotten even existed behind that tower of little books. I don't know why I didn't think it might be back there and revealed on a day so full, so full of heartache and heartbreak, things lost, things found, and things we just don't let go of, the ideas we hold dear, all of it. I didn't find the index card notes though. I didn't find those. I looked again this morning. I looked in the couch cushions and I looked in the chair cushions. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I have the book still checked out. So we'll go from there. We'll just go forwards. Today's show is short. It is short. Some of you know I am struggling. I am struggling. I have already had to stop and start many times just to get through the intro, which I didn't expect because I am trying to skim along the surface here not ready for more than that in public. So today, not a story of goodbyes, but a story of whimsy, an act of doing, and a book. First, the doing. First, the doing. And in the last few days, I could have told you a different story of whimsy. That is really why I would like to be able to really share this 50, but I was already ready to talk about this one thing today. So we're going to go with that. Much of my list, as I explained in the other show, is built around whimsy. And the things checked off so far have been rooted in that. The one I'll share today is a bit more concrete. And yet it was one that was in its own way, so whimsical for me because I am so practical in so many ways. But this one does feel particularly whimsy aligned to me. Some of you already know that I did this, this most unexpected thing on my list. Not jumping off a mountain or from a plane. No, not that. And not going to a sketchbook meetup or something like that. No, nothing quite that bold. But the last item on my list, this was the last item. Now, I'm not doing this in order. That's fine. But it was the last item and it was somehow the cherry on top in terms of whimsy for me as I constructed and crafted this list. I kept looking at that and thinking, huh, really? It kind of came to me near the end and I put it on there and thought that is right. It is right. 
and it did feel like a good final thing. I'd started with this one tiny, probably one inch square thing at the top of my list, this tiny bit of whimsy. And then I kept rearranging things and adding things and leaving things and moving things and tucking different things in here and there. This little bedazzled path that I'm creating for this year. And I ended up with try the ukulele as the final list item. And I left it. It felt like a smile. I don't know how else to say it. It felt so right. It felt like a smile. It felt like a whimsical finale, an end note. A few years ago, I had the same thought about doing this, about trying the ukulele. I got all excited about it. I was really curious. I really wanted to do it, but I never did. I couldn't quite get past something in my head. I think ukulele is one of those things that a lot of people have their own impression of, definitely. But I think it's way more than that. So this year it's on the list. And in a surprising turn of events, it didn't end up being something I put off until last or even later in the year. It came up. And then once it came up as something that I should just go ahead and do, I spent weeks struggling with my decision, debating it, justifying it, thinking it through. I watched zillions of videos trying to gauge really how interested I am. I drove myself and everyone else crazy trying to figure out what to do, making them look at different things and listen to different samples. And oh, I drove us all nuts. Ukulele somehow felt within reach, somehow felt within reach. And ultimately, I am now picking up a ukulele throughout the day, every day, and sitting and practicing chords and strum patterns and finger picking. And I am enjoying myself immensely, immensely. I just can't even explain how happy I am that I did this. So happy that I did this. This may have been one of the most perfect things that ended up on my list. And I had no way to understand that at the beginning. No way to understand it other than the whimsy of it. It just felt like a smile. And as I've done some of the other things, each time they seem so right and they seem so full and they're offering me so much, so much right now. Not only was the ukulele a perfect addition, I'm really glad, so glad that I went ahead and did it now rather than at the end. I have a whole year of practice ahead of me. And that is super exciting. I have a lot of trouble with my eyes these days. I work all day at a computer. And I do have a lot of trouble now. I have a lot of trouble at night. And it's really nice because the ukulele is so much different than drawing. It doesn't need the same fresh eyes. I can sit and I can even close my eyes and I can just play these couple of chords over and over. And it's so satisfying. How far will I go? I don't really know. But I've already probably done a lot more than any of us thought I would. And I'm really happy doing it. I know some of you are ukulele people. And now I get it. I totally get it. I do know there are all kinds of approaches to it. Like I said, I have watched a ton of videos. I became quite enchanted and quite enamored. I get it. I get it. And I know some of you listening to me, you get it. So it's new for me. 
it's new. I said in the group a few weeks ago, I have a new hobby and I didn't own up to what it was, but yeah, it's new. Creative. Yes. Different. Yes. I come from a very musical family, but I am not overly musical. Have I drawn the ukulele? You bet. You bet. I've also drawn other things in these weeks. I am living in a journal, which gives me plenty of room. I am exploring. I am documenting and recording. All of that is good. So the book I want to mention isn't one that I thought I would bring to the show. When I first picked it up at the library, it reminded me so much of the wonderful art that a friend does, someone in the CMP group for many years. And as I flipped through it, I spotted two things. Well, I spotted a lot of things, but two things really made me take it home. And later, when I saw them again in flipping, really made me keep it. A griffin and a mermaid. And I knew I had to bring the book home. Something about the style of those really drew me in. But I also love the flowers in it, the floral patterns. A slightly folk version to the kinds of William Morris designs I love. I think that's really where I fall is that it draws me in in a way that I really, really, really associate with that kind of patterning. Years ago, I painted folk art things, chairs, stools, tables, bookcases, cabinet doors, the birdhouse CD cabinet, and knobs, all those wooden knobs, very simply painted, sometimes just pattern and color. And yes, a long, long time ago. But I mention all of that because this book isn't really that far out for me. It's just different than the way I think of myself now and the way you would probably describe what I do. So I brought the book home and I instinctively grabbed it one night and chose something from it for a fill-in pattern. And then again, when I was working on gridded pages, which is something I've been doing, filling grids with a combination of portraits and line work and objects and fill-in, I grabbed this book and used the flower shapes as inspiration. And I'm really a little bit hooked. I'm a little bit hooked. I haven't been willing to let go of the book yet. I haven't been willing to take it back. So I decided it's definitely a book to share with all of you. I find that the title doesn't quite sync up to what I think about this book and what I love about this book. The title suggests something a little different to me. And when I open the book and go back through it, really go through it, I go, well, yeah, all of that is there. I think this book operates on a few different levels. The book is called Imagine a Forest, Designs and Inspirations for Enchanting Folk Art by Denera Mirtilopova. And I do think there are a few ways into this book. The floro-botanical folk art side is one, and then the story-infused maybe medieval side, definitely fairy tale driven. That's another. And once upon a time, I would have been in this book for the castles, for sure. But at this point, it was the other half of the book that really, really caught me. So I can see the whole of it. 
but I really gravitated to the flowers. And I think you can pick this book up and get so much out of the floral designs, the vine work, the way she rearranges things, and the hearts. I think there's a whole lot you can take just on that level. And then there's the other part that if you're looking for the characters and the story-driven illustration, that's here too. For me, it was the flowers, leaves, hearts, and the mythical creatures. That's what I really gravitated towards. The book is full color. It's wonderfully done. Mirta Lipova's work is charming, beautiful. It's inviting in palette. And the illustrations are of a type that you can look at them and dive right in, creating your own. You can look, you can sort of see the shapes, you can see how the lines work, and you can start doing your own based on those or extrapolating from those inspired by those. Many of the examples have several stages shown so that you either see a line sketch or an additive drawing, steps added, new elements added each time. I don't do mandalas, but I love to do work like these flowers where I feel like I can keep adding layers or rings of pattern and line to them. And that's what I really feel like when I work with these flowers is that once I get my shape in place, I can keep building it out or filling it in and the options are endless and they will very much be mine in the way that I will approach them. In the botanical section, she shows one set of flowers in various compositions, which I think is a really nice way to do that. It shows how you can use elements and rearrange them to create something new. It's always a good reminder for people. It reinforces the idea that elements are modular they can be moved around and reconfigured. And sometimes you have to think outside the box that way. Think about it, cut it up, move it around. How can you lay things out differently and end up with a new design? You'll find multiple flower versions, some basic trees, butterflies, beetles, wonderful whimsical birds, cats, chickens, horses, bears, foxes, lions. And then there are the mythical creatures, firebirds, mermaids, dragons, griffins, and that griffin totally, totally speaks to me. But there is that other side. There's also a focus on fairy tale and specifically a medieval feel. Royalty, knights, a castle, princess. There are also Russian, Asian, and Middle Eastern inspired stories and characters. And you'll find other kinds of people and houses and objects, things that go inside of a house. A different flair, lots of things you could do with those kinds of elements. There's a section on hearts, which I love too. That's near the end. One of the inspiring things in her book is the way she shows her patterning and painting in a variety of applications. I really liked that, like stamping or painted eggs. The series of painted eggs is really beautiful to see. And the flattened pattern examples you could use on anything. You could draw those and use those or paint those and use those. The last section of the book is, in fact, a section of project ideas, and it's full of whimsical and beautiful pieces that she has done that can inspire you to do your own and can inspire you to see ways in which you can use your illustration other than just drawing on paper or painting on paper or in a journal. I really love the patterning in this book. I have a big focus on filling space this year. And I'm bringing elements like this into my work. And I'm really glad that I found this book when I did. 
I think filling space, however you do it. And for me, sometimes that is the hatching. That is part of how I draw, the way I shadow things, the way I do hair, the way I use line. It's not just mindless doodling. The way I use line, though, when I talk about filling space is really mindful for me. It slows me down. It allows me to do something with my hands and somehow frees up something and also soothes. It's very calming. It's very repetitive and rhythmic in its own way. It's very mindful. It also can be very whimsical and it's very satisfying. And I'm finding that this kind of fill in with these flowers and vine work and leaves, very much like what I like to do when I quilt, which is the actual quilting I don't do very often, but when I quilt, I often gravitate towards vine work especially. So I'm really happy to be bringing it into my drawing a little bit. I'm glad I checked it out and I'm going to definitely try many of the elements from this book before I take it back. Find ways that make them fit me and my approach and my voice. And I hope you'll take a look too. I think you'll really enjoy it. I am the art. The art is me. So that is it for today. That is it for episode 366. I made it through. You may not even realize it was a challenge. It will it will come out in the wash how much of this gets cut out. It was harder than I thought, but I hated to let it go. I hated to let it go and not record again another week. So that is it. But I have to say that looking again at this book today was really interesting because some of the things that I've done in the last week, two of the things on my list, in fact, tie in a bit with this book. It's kind of uncanny. It's funny how there is sometimes a bit of disjunct in timing between real life happening and shows coming into being. The ukulele, though, that's a big thing and such an unexpected thing. I did want to share it. But something else in a sort of magical forest moment does tie in much more concretely with this book. But, you know, you got today's story. I'm not quite ready to share the other story. It's a story for another day. I am going to continue this show with a very small, again, Patreon-only show. I want to talk a little bit more about all of this and this book. I want to read to you a few things from the book and just talk a little bit to those of you who are in that community, because I very much appreciate those of you who support me there. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. I am secretly playing with another Instagram feed, but we'll see what happens with that. And a word for today. I'm going to go with a word from the show. It is a word, of course, that many of you probably can think of that I have talked about a bunch of times for lots of reasons, including coffee. So today's word is mermaid. And I would love to see how you use that word, how you draw it, how it fits into your journal, or just a head nod. I really appreciate those of you who give me a head nod that you heard the show. It means a lot. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.